0: Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 9 through 17. This can be found on page 476 of your pew Bible. After the reading of God's law, the Hebrews are led in a prayer of confession and repentance in which they recall the history of God's unfailing grace since the days of their forefathers. A reading from Nehemiah chapter nine, beginning with the ninth verse. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry, at the Red Sea, and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, and all his servants, and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers. And you made a name for yourself, as it is to this day, and you divided the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and you cast their pursuers into the depths, as a stone into mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai, and spoke with them from heaven, and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath, and commanded them commandments and statutes, and a law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. Everyone in this room who's a parent,
1: an aunt an uncle, a babysitter, or has ever been around a toddler knows what happens when you go to a store like Michael's. It's a craft store, there's all these entertaining things on the shelf, and you're pushing your little angel in the grocery cart in that little seat right there. But then something happens. That child starts to get hungry, angry, bored, or tired. And immediately, the child wants to get down from where they are. And you do your very best to distract and redirect them, but it is to no avail you start to realize they will explode if they are not set free. So your next tactic is to reluctantly put them on the ground, but instruct them that they have to push the cart with you. And that will be the way they're allowed to stay down. So they're pushing the cart for about a half an aisle until the shiny objects start appearing at their eye level. And all of a sudden they're grabbing one, two, 10 of them. And despite your best negotiating skills, you're unable to prevent them from grabbing things. So you know what comes next. You're going to have to lift them back up and place them in the seat. Now, when this happens, as you attempt this, the child's face turns red, their body stiffens up and their back arches. And you realize in midair that anatomically you're unable to insert them back into the seat. And as you're attempting to do so, their angry protest volume starts increasing dramatically. And you realize you have to surrender to defeat. You leave the cart and the store behind. Now, there might be a few toddlers in the Standwich Church family that on occasion have acted in such a manner. But that's okay, because I am sure that I was one of those toddlers as well. In fact, my parents belong to Standwich Church, so you're welcome to check with them and confirm this. But we might call this being strong-willed. But the Bible has another word for it, it is being stiff-necked. And our parents are not trying to harm us when they put some restraints on us. In fact, they're trying to help us to understand that not everything we want is good for us, but we are prone to rebel. We all have ways of trying to do a workaround to position our hearts and our bodies to resist doing what is right but what is ultimately for our good and to bless us. So today is our final sermon in Nehemiah in our word series. And last week, you may remember Pastor Nathan described the people when they're hearing the law read, they were weeping and rejoicing. And they were so moved by it. But today we hear a little bit more about what happens in our relationship with God. Despite God's great work in the past, his people back then, and even us now, turn away from God. We are like that angry child. We stiffen our necks and still disobey God's word. So what is our way back to God? When we remember who God is and what he's done for us, and we turn back to him, God is always and ever ready to forgive us our reading for today is part of a beautiful and lengthy prayer in the bible in fact it's the longest prayer in nehemiah 9 it starts with praising god who's from everlasting to everlasting and the priests are calling out to the people with loud voices saying remember who god is and what he's done our text today starts with verse 9 And this is a prayer about God. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and you heard their cry at the Red Sea. I want to pause right there. You saw their affliction, and you heard their cries. Well, there may be a few of you here today that are feeling that suffering, and you're wondering if there's any hope for change at all. Maybe it's change for your family or change for our country or change for our nation. Well, here's the good news. God hears your suffering. He hears your affliction, and he cares for your tears and your suffering. What we know in Scripture is that because he saw and he heard, the prayer goes on to remind us what he does. He acts on behalf of his people these returned exiles in Jerusalem are hearing about the defining moments for the people of God that happened a thousand years earlier, and that is called the Exodus. This is where God stirred up the heart of Pharaoh and went against Pharaoh and the Egyptians that were holding the people of God captive as slaves. And he did marvelous things to deliver them. He divided the sea so the people could go on it. He sustained them for 40 years out in the wilderness on their journey, and he was providing for them, reshaping them as his people. And when we agree to follow God, we too will see miracles. We are set free from things that hold us captive, and we experience his provision. And finally, he reshapes us into the people he's called us to be, so that we could be the very best versions of ourselves. Let's look at how he guides them in the wilderness. In verse 12, we find him leading them. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. Now, cloud and fire were Signs of God's presence. And we see that at the burning bush and up on Mount Sinai and in the tabernacle. Now, honestly, I am a little jealous of these people. You know, can you imagine where is God? Oh, right there, the cloud, right there, the pillar cloud. Or, oh, there, the pillar of fire that's lighting up the whole night sky. You know, I have asked God a number of times if he would just simply write the answers to my questions on a billboard so that I wouldn't miss it, that he'd make it really, really obvious. So I guess part of me would like to get to heaven and say, guys, you had the cloud of by day and the pillar of fire by night. How could you get it wrong? But you know what they'd probably say to me? Actually, you had it far better than we did because you had the bible the whole entire story and you carried it around in fact today if you look around there're about there're hundreds of these in the pews we all have the full story of what god's done what he's promised and what awaits us right here in our hands some of us even have the bible app on our phones so we we're really blessed and privileged we have more than the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, we have God's word. And in it, we learn what God has done for us, what he's promised, and most importantly, who he is. So today's reading also describes Moses coming down, and God coming down first to Mount Sinai and giving these tablets of stone on which he's written his law to Moses, who then brings it to the people. And those things that were on that tablet we call the Ten Commandments, and they were instructions on how to live in harmony with God and with others, rather than being stiff-necked and rebellious. When we obey God's right rules, we experience supernatural peace and joy, no matter what we're going through. And they help us to know how to live that life that Jesus called the whole, the full, the abundant life. This prayer highlights as well the importance of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is the day set aside to rest and to pause and to create space for God in our lives. Our work on the Sabbath is to not work. And as we do, we acknowledge that he is the one responsible for upholding the whole universe and that he is in charge not us god provided bread from heaven and water from uh, out of a rock and this food came down from heaven dropping down daily for them they collected it and that was what fed them out in the wilderness and moses struck the rock with his staff and water poured out gushed out of it to satisfy their thirst Jesus prayed, and we all did just a few minutes ago, God, um, give us this day our daily bread. And what that tells us is that God cares about everything that's important to us, our big needs and our small ones. All of this matters. And what did all this leading and guiding and providing lead to? Well, it was the final part of what we read um, in verse 15, and that is Take the land. He wanted them to be reshaped into his people to become a separate nation so that other nations could look to them and know God. That's part of something each one of us are being asked by God to do in our own lives. There's some arena in which God is saying to each one of us take the land, possess the land. He says, live out your new identity as my people in the places that I take you. Now, after all these miracles of God's leading and reshaping all the work he did for his people, were they grateful and lived happily ever after with God? Unfortunately not. They did not. Bad news came next. Let's look at that at verse 16 through 17 but they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. Now, acted presumptuously, there are a few other words for that that include the word arrogant, rebellion and proud so all of these things were part of what's going on they were acting out it can also even mean bubbling up so they were bubbling up ready to explode and if we're really honest we know that we still are like that little toddler refusing to get in the cart because we think we know what's best for us stiff-necked can also mean antagonistic stubborn and argumentative And I hate to admit it, but I can still be stiff-necked towards God and towards others. But, um, you know, we do refuse God. However, even as stiff-necked people, one of the misconceptions we get into is that we think if we go back to Egypt, if we go back into slavery, we'll be better off than following God. That is not the case, but many of us continue to be slaves to sin, whether it's compulsive behaviors or actions, addictions, things that drag us down and control us. We know in our hearts that they're not what's best for us, but we give into them. And the rest of this chapter goes on to describe how the people repent and then God forgives and then the people rebel once again in sin. And the cycle goes on and on. God forgives. They sin again. They repent. It keeps happening, this cycle of disobedience. Rebellion can lead us to bondage, but God is offering us freedom. Now, you may say, why would God take us back when we keep sinning over and over again and not getting it right? Our answer is found in the second half of verse 17. Here's what it tells us. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. God acts to save his people. That's what we heard about in the beginning. But now what we see is the reason he did that, and he does that for us, is because of his heart, because of his character. He won't abandon us and i'm so grateful that god is a better forgiver than i am a sinner his loving kindness is always available for us i wonder if we all see god's face towards us that way when i think of human faces that might have some of these qualities in my life gracious merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, I actually have a few faces that come to mind. My mother's mother, we used to call her Grammy Alice. She only lived till I was nine years old. So she passed away a long time ago, but she left a lasting impression on me. And I can still remember going to visit her and Bob Bill in their home in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And we would go and she would open the oven and take out these warm chocolate chip cookies. And I can still smell the smell and I can still taste them. And I remember splashing around in her pool and the house was built all around the pool. But my favorite memory in that house was of curling up next to her and snuggling up and we would read books for what felt like hours. And we had big, large dollhouse picture books and we would point things out to each other and describe what we saw. She was a former editor at Doubleday in New York City. So beside her bedroom chair, there was huge stacks of books. And I think I got a love for books from her. She was a very special person. And um, I knew that she loved me more than I deserved. In fact, whenever we got to see each other, she was so excited for our visit. She was gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love the last memory i have of her was of being in her car and she was in the front seat driving and my mom was in the passenger seat and i was in the back right in the middle of the car and i remember with love looking at her hand lying on the armrest between herself and my mom and in that moment i felt so full of joy. I felt so relaxed. I felt safe and perfectly at peace. And it makes me think about the fact that when we are right in that right place with God, when we let God drive the car and we sit in the back seat relaxing, then we don't have to worry about where we're going or what's up ahead or the rearview mirror what we've left behind, because we know God's in control. He's got this. We're safe and we're fully loved. When we understand the depths of his character and how he feels about us, we can rest in that place. God wants us to come home to him. He wants to shower us with his mercy. Ultimately, he does something Radical to break that sin cycle we talked about earlier. He proved his great love to us by sending his son Jesus to live among us and to point us to God and to take on himself all of our sin and our stiff-necked ways and to take it to the cross and to die for our full pardon and forgiveness and then to be resurrected again so that we might have new life both now and for eternity. Jesus is the fullness of God's love to us. This text for today tells us, remember what God has done and remember who he is. Remember his heart for us, most especially when we disobey, when we're being stiff-necked, that in the middle of all that, God says, I love you. I forgive you. He is eager, racing towards you to offer you his grace and mercy. He wants relationship with you and to give you a whole and a healed life so that out of a heart full of love, you can be all that he has destined you to be. And as you take the land in your own way, your life will reflect the light of Jesus and will draw others to him. We have a special opportunity this week to recommit ourselves to God. And if you're aware of your stiff neck or your need to get reconnected to God, come Wednesday night and receive ashes on your forehead for Ash Wednesday. It starts our season of the journey into Lent, and that's where we wander with Jesus to the cross and through the cross to resurrection morning. As you make space for God in your hearts this season, I hope Nehemiah nine seventeen is part of that for you. And I want to pray that over us as we close. God, you are ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You will not abandon us or forsake us, no matter what. We are so grateful for how much you love us. Help us to follow Jesus as his disciples, to watch how he works and to do as he's done, so that your Holy Spirit working in us can help us to share his good news to a world in need. All for your glory, amen.
0: To learn more about the mission and vision of Standwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit StandwichChurch.org.